Hey folks and welcome to another episode of PodCraft. This is the show all about podcasting, from launching your show to monetization and everything in between. I'm Colin Gray from thepodcasthost.com, joined by Matthew. As always, how are you doing, Matthew? Hello there. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Good, yeah. Still recovering from the podcast show last week, eh? Yeah, I it was really good. Really good to go and do stuff with actual humans. And uh, now I'm back in my cave for another year. Indeed, won't go out again. It was really good though, wasn't it? Like, I don't know, any, if you're out there listening and you, um, you're you UK based, or even not actually, there was a lot of our friends from uh, the US came over for it this time around, um, even from Australia and beyond. So it was like, yeah, it was really cool to see so many people in a, a really good event growing up in the UK, I think, for podcasters. So, yeah, what was your thoughts, Matthew? Is it um, something that listeners should be, not listeners, creators should be coming along to as well as um, sort of industry folk? Yeah, if they're able. I don't think the event is is without its flaws. Um, We'll actually (laughs) put a report, a full write-up in the show notes, uh, which you could check out, you know, report. Nice photo of you, Colin, on stage doing a wee talk about something that I didn't turn up to because I had (sighs) better stuff on my agenda. But um, yeah, heard it went well. So, uh, <laughs> aye, it's uh, it's it's great to go to these things in the end. That's you know it's important for the industry that they exist, and uh, aye, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I think it was good. I think there were a few. Yeah, the, some of the talks were a bit. There was a wee bit too much pay to play if you ask me like in terms of um sponsors or exhibitors who just got given a slot and didn't do too much with it like just kind of came and did a some kind of fireside chat which is a wee bit meandering maybe not many takeaways or actionables or anything like that but there's some really good sessions too so i think that's something they'll be they'll be improving over time i'm sure um but yeah it'd be loved to, it'd be great to see more of that kind of curation and making sure that all the talks are really good quality to really attract those um, those creators back every single year because I think that's what's going to grow isn't it if we can get more and more podcasters actually turning up rather than just folk working in the industry so that's the hope anyway but yeah it was good fun good to see everyone but anyway what are we talking about this week Matthew we we did time saving last time around didn't we that's right, yeah. I nine t- nine t- tip saving times. I was going to say I've, I've, I've spoke so much the last few while <laughs> that I've, I, I can't speak anymore, which is great when you're recording a podcast. Yeah. Um, and now, worryingly, I can't say this. I don't know how you say it. Ship your sh- I just want to say shit your show. Um, so yeah, this was so it was a talk that I did back in uh, podcast movement in uh, 2018. Actually, it was the first time I did this. Um, so what we're going to do today, last time around, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, we did nine tips around how to make it much quicker to create your show. Essentially, they're all quite tactical, quite editing based, production based, all based right in that kind of post production side. Really, oh, there was a couple that kind of came into pre-production or planning but this time around it's based around a talk as Matthew said um, nine ways to ship your show uh, more quickly in fact no nine ways to cut the time it takes to ship your show which I talked on Quister Uh, Quister I can't yeah okay we've both both lost the ability now none of us Um, can spoke (laughs) but yeah so we've got nine nine things which improve the workflow essentially and most of these uh, some of them will cross over to what we covered last week and we'll kind of skip past those but most of them actually are more either mindset type 
approaches. So things you can think about, things you can kind of change around how you think about your workflow or are things around planning um, during recording or even different ways to actually record a show. Uh, to cut the time that it takes to actually get that show out there into the world. So that's the whole principle, how to cut the time it takes to ship your show uh, and get it out there in the world. Because I, and that was someone we were talking about at the conference actually around the fact that it was someone that came out of our census data and out of so much of us talking to podcasters that the longer you podcast, the more people realize it's just all about consistency. It's all about longevity, resilience, about just getting that show out there every single week. And a huge part of that is just making your workflow as simple, as easy, as efficient as possible. So you can just get it out there and, and spend your time on the thing that matters, Matthew, eh? which is? Content. Content. I put you on the spot there and you delivered. <laughs> As always. <laughs> I had to happen sooner or later that I'd get one of these right. Um, I, That's I, it, isn't it? It's content, yeah. Sorry, go for it. I was having a lot of conversations because we, we had our Alitu booth um, and, you know, I, I, I was kind of using that in a sense to just speak to loads of people, you know, loads of different podcasters, industry yeah. folks. Um, yeah. So there was there was a few conversations with like aspiring and early stage creators, which was really cool. You know, it's yeah. it, it, when you've been doing it a long time, it's sometimes hard to put yourself back in the shoes of somebody who's just coming into it. So uh, that was really useful, I think. And I, what I found myself saying, and it was just an idea that I was kind of formulating in my head, um, and it's not groundbreaking stuff. It just ties into this consistency and, and keep it on going. I was saying to a few folks, there there is, when you start a podcast, there is this kind of magic that happens. I would put it between sort of 25 and like 32 episodes, say 30 episodes, when you've been doing a podcast. There's this critical mass of, you know, you've got this catalogue, which is a non-trivial number of episodes now, new listeners every single day see that and they see your list of episodes and hopefully they've all got really compelling titles you go into your stats and there's always this like long list of like one or two downloads like that this big list like pretty much somebody's grabbed your entire back catalogue and they're going through that and then you start to hear from listeners who are saying like oh, I've just binged you know 30 odd episodes I always find that quite funny I always make the self-deprecating joke that that must have been a great laugh spending all that time with me but uh, it's it, do you not think that though Colin again this isn't groundbreaking but that critical mass episodes when you get there like it's it, it just like almost like that's you in business now whereas yeah. before then you've you've kind of been chipping away and probably getting nothing back and and having doubts as to whether it's working so. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a lot of what goes into that whole um, that outcome that we found in in our census. Like around that, if you're 50 episodes plus, you're almost like the the option that people chose. So it, just to kind of give some detail around this, we had a question in there which was, "What do you think is the biggest factor in a success of any podcast?" And we had things like gear, software, your content. Um, and one of them was longevity. One of them was just consistency. And if you were 50 episodes, we broke it down so that new podcasters, uh, we saw the data they gave. We gave the, we got the data for like people who were between 10 and 20 episodes, 20 and 50. And it was the 50 plus episodes, almost unanimously, every single one of them just wrote down consistency. And that was it. Like the, the thoughts around gear, the thoughts around software, the thoughts around approaches, formats, all that kind of stuff just drops away. And you realize, I think as you're saying there, Matthew, just having 30, 40 episodes in your back catalog 
it has this magic effect of gives you motivation because you see those downloads it gives you this bank of people to kind of say like what do you like what do you not like you get to at that point you're like you're honing right in on you know the style that suits you the topic angle that suits you really what you do well and you combine that with honing in on what your audience actually responds to well so there's something around that whole combination of just longevity that gets you there that then powers you into that kind of next phase of growth potentially I don't know. Does that make sense? Totally, yeah. And you've got that, like you're, you're actually then getting hard data. You're getting feedback. Um, yeah. You know, you're looking at, you're looking through your stats and you see, I've got these three episodes on this particular subtopic of my topic yeah. and these do really yeah. well. Why is that? You know, what's interesting about that? Maybe you then look at your uh, your Apple stats or your Spotify stats where you could then get a sample of like, you know, where in these episodes are really catching folks' attention. So you you can hone in on like this this stuff is really working. And then the flip side, you've got a couple of episodes that just maybe aren't hitting the mark. You see that when folk are binging your back catalogue, they're maybe skipping them. And I've even yeah. experimented with uh, I went back and retitled episodes that aren't doing well and suddenly they start doing well. And oh, yeah, the content really is the smart. same. It's just I've not and maybe not picked a very good title. So you're just yeah. learning all yeah. the time. You know, that title didn't really work. And uh, it's it's just a constant process. Yeah, that's like, it's exactly like we do with the blog, isn't it? It's like, it's just SEO, it's um, search engine optimization. The search engine we're talking about here is a podcast listening app. Uh, and, and it's the same factors as in that title that persuades people to spend half an hour or an hour listening to it has to be compelling. It has to tell the listener, like, why should you listen to this episode? The title has to tell them why. What are they going to get from it? What problems are going to solve for them? All that kind of stuff. So, yeah, totally makes sense. The the example I'll give, like, I just did that quite recently. So on my tabletop gaming show, which you were yeah. on recently, Colin, and got yeah, good yeah. feedback. Good feedback, Which I I've hear. never yeah, had nice. myself. But um, so I, I had an episode, uh, you remember the White Dwarf magazine, don't you? I think you bought yeah. me a copy yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but... I had an episode title and I went through on an episode this magazine. It was my first ever copy of White Dwarf back in the early 90s. And uh, the title of the episode was just like White Dwarf episode whatever, you know, yeah. and the date. It wasn't a good title. Uh, and it just like nobody listened to it. And I just changed the title to my first copy of White Dwarf magazine or something like that. And then like, yeah. you know, it become one of the most popular in Jumped the back catalogue. So nice. just a same content. It's just... um you know, suddenly it seems interesting, all right, it's, it's the guys first. And for folks that aren't into that hobby, they'll think that sounds really dull. But, you know, again, that's <laughs> podcast and we've all got our own little funny niches that we're into. So. That's it, totally. Yeah, cool. All right. That's great. Yeah, absolutely agree. But And, and a biggest factor, like I said, a huge factor in getting there, getting to that 20, 30 episodes is the stuff we're talking about on this episode, the previous episode around just making it easy to get there like uh, figuring out your workflow, actually putting some thought into making it more efficient, making it easy for you to get out every single week. So let's jump into it. Um, <clears throat> so we've got nine here. Let's see how we go in terms of time, Matthew. It's always uh, nine, this isn't is, it? It is always nine. Uh, we This usually takes me about 25 minutes to do the talk on stage. So if we're uh, chatting back and forth, mentioning resources, we might go a bit beyond that. So we'll see. We might cut it in half. We might get it through it today. We'll see this power of podcast and we can do what the heck we like. Eh? Uh, before we jump in, I'll mention uh, Alitu as well. As always, our, our content's always supported by our very own app, Alitu. And Alitu is designed with all of this that we've been talking about in mind. Um 
we created it originally based on the fact that people would get in touch with us um, asking all the time, like, how do I make editing easier? How do I make my workflow simpler? Uh, and the very first iteration of Alitude was actually just to make editing easier on its own. It was just to cut out all of that crap that you get in your standard DAW that podcasters don't need, that we don't need to know because we don't need to be audio engineers. Um, so Alitude is a way of making your editing, your workflow much easier. And nowadays it's gone beyond that. We've got call recording built right in, does your audio cleanup for you, add your music, all that kind of stuff. Um, even down to hosting now as well, your first um, thousand downloads per month uh, for free, all built in as well, transcriptions too. So go over to alitude.com if you want to give that a go, A-L-I-T-U.com. You get a seven day free trial, no credit card required or anything. So you can get there and give it a shot. All right, let's get into it then, Matthew. So Episode one, episode one, point one, ship your show one, whatever the heck we want to call it, working in seasons, something that we bang on about quite a lot <laughs> because I think it is one of the most powerful workflow hacks essentially in podcasting. So what does this mean, Matthew, working in seasons? Yeah, I, I mean, it could it could mean a couple of different things, couldn't it? It could mean that you have a schedule where you work on a block episode, you put them out, and then you take a break, and then you come back to it. So that's the nuts and bolts of it, but it could tie into your content too, can't it? Because these seasons yeah. could then be themed. You know, one person yeah. might do seasons and it's just they're covering the same ground, uh, yes. whereas other folks might take an opportunity to say, okay, in my topic, here is this one thing, and over this season of six episodes, we're really going to do a deep dive into that, and then next yeah. season we'll do something different. So does that kind of tie up with what you think, Con? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. There's so many benefits to working in seasons as a podcaster. Um, we won't go into all of the benefits for you as a podcaster, you uh, for your listeners. Like it's actually hugely powerful working in seasons for listeners. It it creates more loyal listeners. It creates more success in those listeners because the content all ties together so well because it's structured so well. If you want to read more about that side of things, go to the show notes. Uh, we'll have a link to a big article we've got on all the benefits of working in seasons. But in the context of what we're talking about today, workflow, the biggest hack is around planning. Like, I mean, <laughs> Matthew, we get it again and again, don't we? Like one of the biggest problems that people come to us and say, they're like, uh, I, I need to, I can't think of a topic every single week. Like I just turn up on, you know, Monday morning for my recording session and I need to think something up new. I just, I can't always think it up. And it takes them 20 minutes to think of a topic and lay out the plan. Um, whereas with seasons, all you do is you plan it all ahead and it's so much more efficient. So for my mountain biking show, I often use that as an example because um, it's quite clear around if I think like how to build a bike. So I want to do a season around how to build a bike. What I do is I break that down into parts like a bike would be. So I'd have, uh, right, how do I break that down? So how to build a bike? Well, you've got choosing a saddle, you've got the drivetrain, you've got the frame, you've got how to choose and build some wheels, you've got how to put together all the braking system. Um, so there's, you know, five, six episodes right away. And then all I do is write down those headers. And then I think, eh, could any of these break down more? Well, actually wheels, maybe I'd talk about tires and rims separately. Uh, maybe not. Uh, that'll probably be okay. Drivetrain, though, uh, I probably want to talk about gears separately from cranks and pedals, for example. So maybe I break them out into two separate episodes. So you end up with this list of topics, uh, maybe seven, eight. That's a good season. That's two months worth. And then what I do is I spend another 20 minutes just putting some bullet points around each of those. 
So I take the drivetrain one and I say, right, okay, I'm going to talk about um, gears. I'm going to talk about the different types of gears. I'm going to talk about like cables versus uh, electronic. And then I put like five, six, seven, eight bullet points on each one. And I can do that. And I believe anyone can do this if they know their topic reasonably well in 20, 30 minutes max. I have spent more time, like I've done ones where I've had to do a fair bit more research. Maybe it's something that I'm learning new as well. Maybe that's an hour maximum as well. So you spend 30 minutes to an hour tops researching, planning out your season. And then that suddenly, that means you've got a plan, like a total detailed outline for like two to three months worth of content. And from there, every Monday morning, every Tuesday evening, whatever it is, whatever your recording slot is, all you do, open up that plan, look at the next topic, and you've got a plan there sitting in front of you. And we found this just so powerful in terms of, you know, again, it makes better content for your listeners, makes so many benefits for you overall. But that is the big one. It's the workflow hack that you just turn up and you don't have to think about the topic. You've got it all planned out and it just works. All right. That makes sense, Matthew. It does, yeah. I'm bought in. I'm doing a, I'm doing a season on paintbrushes. What's the best bristles? Uh, that's going to be an entire season. Mate. Nice. Break down the uh, the bristles, the you know, those little paints. The what's the name of the metal bit that holds the bristles together? Go on. The, the, does it begin with an F? God, this is interesting audio. No idea. Um, Having a clue. I'll look it up. That'll be our next Number episode. Two. Number two. <laughs> right. What are we going with next? <laughs> yes, yeah, smart repurposing. So tell me, Colin, what's what's this all about? Why don't I just do audio? Why, why don't we just do your dumb repurposing? <laughs> I, I mean, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of dumb repurposing in podcasting. Taking an episode, putting it through a, um, an audiogram, putting a picture and a waveform over it, and just publishing the whole thirty minutes, for example. But I don't think that works very well. I think smart repurposing is a great way to get more value from your episodes and make your your workflow much more efficient. Because most people are doing a bit of repurposing at least to try and do some marketing. So. Make it easier by actually doing something like take your episode, your podcast episode, um, record the video if you can, but actually just try and use a notepad, pen and paper um, to do some live editing. I think we talked about this in the last one, didn't we? A wee bit, possibly not actually looking back at the list, but this is something I've talked about in the past as well. The fact that you can go back to paper and pen and actually write down a time code when there's a highlight, something that works really well, write down like two minutes, 15, talked about this. And then that lets you, in your edit, go back and get these little clips and then repurpose them only. So I think video works really well with podcasting, but not if you're republishing the whole thing generally. Nobody wants to watch our two faces staring at the camera, do they, Matthew? Absolutely not. (laughs) But if you take like a 30 second, a one minute, maybe even a two or a three minute clip of a highlight, repurpose that to YouTube, repurpose that to social media, that can work really well. And I think that can give you just as much value with not much extra work or with maybe even less extra work than you're doing just now in terms of your repurposing. And I think it works with the show notes as well. Like how do we do our show notes, Matthew? Like we do we do a fair bit of detail in ours, don't we? Do we? <laughs> no, we don't. <laughs> when we're doing it well. When we're doing it well. No, we have done it. We've done yeah, you're right. These days actually we're pretty uh, we're pretty low bar on them. But yeah. in the past we have, uh, we have what's tried our ideal past, view yeah. of a show? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, you know what? I think it's because we're on the blog and we do that to a high standard. Yeah, so it. we've got yeah. our written content covered. I think that's why I'm less precious about the show notes. But it, these days, if, yeah, for if, sure. Um, you know, if we didn't have the blog, I would be 
creating basically a blog post around each episode. Yeah, that's it, exactly. Yeah. Smart repurposing, I think, is not taking a transcript, for example, which a lot of people do, and it's writing a, um, a blog post around it. Now, this is one that um, adds time to your your workflow. So it's maybe not making it more efficient, but the way I think you can make, I think it's so valuable that it's worth being in your workflow. So talk about the idea of taking that bullet point plan and either recording first and writing next or writing and then recording because they both have real power, I think. So the way I tend to do it is I will write first. If I'm doing this, like right now, we're not doing this, let's be honest. But um, if we were in the early days and we were still trying to build written material, like a lot of you guys out there are, I would write a blog post first based on that bullet point plan, rough draft, and then I would record because there's something really powerful about writing something out in total. Like it really focuses your mind. It really distills those ideas in your head. It makes you much more sharp, snappy in the episode, which actually creates better content, but also cuts down in your editing because there's less kind of meandering, less uh, less sort of sidelines, less tangents, all that kind of stuff. And then you can go back and you can even edit that draft to make it even better based on listen, uh, based on the speech. Because actually when you speak it through too, so you can do it this way, you can take the bullet point plan, you can deliver the speech, um, which is the podcast episode itself. And then if you go and immediately write a blog post based on that to act as your show notes, actually you can get that done so quickly because you've just spoken it through. You've just spent half an hour or an hour talking through a topic. You can write it then so much more easily because it's fresh in your head. You've just processed it by speaking. And that's the kind of workflow hack here I'm talking about. So if you are creating text material, the smart repurposing version is to create a version of it like within hours and it makes it so much quicker and easier and more efficient to actually create that written material. So that's kind of my, um, the ship, the show kind of more efficient idea It's just try and do them together in one activity to make the whole thing much more efficient. Good stuff. All right. Okay. What we got? Number three. We've got in our notes, just a wee behind the scenes here, in our notes, somehow the first point has ended up as a bullet point. I see that. So everyone beyond it so has two, ended three, up like... Three, four, <laughs> which makes it great again. That t- tiny brain like yeah. me, I, I need all the help exactly. I get and this isn't yeah. it. I'm changing it right now. There we go, fixed, fixed. This is better. Now I'm going right, to sound like a pro. <laughs> uh, yeah, making live worth it. So uh, it's funny because, I mean, this again shows that you know the fact that there's no right or wrong way to do things in podcasting because yeah. in the last episode we talked a wee bit about like you know do less things so yeah. here's a way yeah. to like if you don't want to do less things you could still do all the things and do it well can't you so if you're interested in doing live there's a there's a way to build it in isn't there that's, yeah, it's a really good point, actually, Matthew, because some of this stuff, like I'm just, that last step is maybe adding some things for some people. Maybe it's taking longer, but it's figuring out how to do more um, in more, get more from your time, uh, essentially. So like I said, I believe that text material is really important, really good marketing material alongside your podcast. So how do we do it more efficiently? And live broadcasting is a bit like that. Like, do, do you remember... Uh, Back in the day when, what was it, Meerkat? Yeah. Is that the name of it? Think, Periscope yeah, as well. Those two, yeah. Meerkat and Periscope. And we kind of had 
a wee bit of a dabble with them. We thought about it. I think both of us were like, this is not, no. <laughs> yeah. But did, did you feel like you were missing out a little bit at the time because it was people we knew doing really well with it? Or were you like, no way? I think I got <laughs> cynical really quick, which is completely yeah. normal for me in any walk yeah. of life. So True. <laughs> But but it turns out it was a good it was good judgment because those um those platforms basically disappeared within what a year. Can't remember. It was a pretty short period of time. But do you remember the the amount of podcasts? I don't know if, if this was just in my world or not, but there was to me it seemed like there was a whole bunch of podcasts that suddenly went live. Mm-hmm. And suddenly there was there was all these shows that you used to listen to, which were great and focused and uh and really kind of um, you know, efficient value per minute you know the great value per minute suddenly turned into the first 10-15 minutes of it was just the host talking to the live viewers and going oh where are you from and all this kind of crap did you experience that i in the very few experiences (laughs) i had with it it was very much you know welcome to the show or or like you're saying you know i've i've listened to an actual recorded podcast and it's been that and i've not been there live and i've you know you're skipping through all the welcomes and stuff like that so yeah, that's it. That's it, exactly. Like, so loads of people try to do live broadcasts and turn that directly into a podcast, but it just doesn't work. There's 10 minutes, 15 minutes worth of talking to the audience, even during the content, like during the real kind of theory part of the content, like you're still kind of keeping an eye on the comments and all that kind of stuff. And it's just, it's just not good content for people who are listening after the fact. But I do think it's actually a really valuable way to grow an audience is to grow a community as well, is to actually do live broadcasting. Um, So how do we do it? If we want to do that, how do we do it in an efficient way? How do we build it in? Well, I think you can break up your episode and it just takes a little bit of editing and a little bit of structure. So the way I think about it is you have the welcomes and stuff. So you get in your live broadcast and you chat to people, you welcome in, you say, where are you from? All that kind of stuff. And then towards the end of your five to 10 minute introduction, you say, right, the topic today is going to be how to choose a great microphone for podcasting. So what do you guys think of this? Like what mics are you using? What questions do you have around this? Uh, you know, what's your biggest problems, barriers in this? And you get a wee chat going live in the session. So you're, again, you're building that engagement with the audience. You're building that community. But also, you have a plan ahead of time. You've got your bullet point plan for your episode ahead of time. But this feedback you're getting here from your audience is kind of building on that. It's it's improving it. It's um, it's really kind of emphasizing the things you really need to concentrate on. Then 10 minutes in, whatever that might be, you say, right, okay, guys, thank you for this. This is brilliant, brilliant, really interesting. Right, I'm going to start on the theory now. I'm going to deliver the content, okay? So I'm going to spend the next 20 minutes or so talking through this um, this topic. I'm going to give a presentation, essentially. I'm not going to be looking at the comments. I'm just going to go for it, deliver my material, but I'm going to build in some of these questions you've given me, um, and I'll answer some of them during the next 20 minutes too. So don't worry. Okay, stick with me though. After the 20 minutes, we'll go into a Q&A and we'll chat again. I'll give you some um, question and answer time to, to finish up this episode. And then you shut down the, the chat or you put it into the background at least and you deliver your episode. You deliver your episode as you've planned it. You maybe weave in some of those questions and problems and barriers though that you got during that initial chat. 
After that, you know, 20, 30 minutes on, people will still be with you because you've engaged them, you've bought them in, you've you've got them kind of, you're, you're building some of their feedback into the episode. So they feel some ownership over that episode. So they stuck around and they'll stick around for the Q&A. And then you can spend 20 minutes actually doing Q&A or however long you like. And at that point, the Q&A is even more valuable because you've delivered your content. They've got more context for questions, all that kind of stuff. And you're really doing a great live session where you're delivering some proper good value, that presentation in the middle, but engaging people and and their specific questions around it too. And all you do at the end is you chop this up. All it takes is one cut. All you do is you cut off the welcomes, the intros at the start, so that you've just got the episode itself that you're going to put out, which is just that theory in the middle, and you start it there. So nobody has to listen to all of those uh, live bits at the start afterwards. You can equally cut off the Q&A at the end if you want, if you think that's too, you know, too live. But actually, some of that would be really valuable once they've listened to the theory. And if they want to cut out on that, they can. They've at least listened to it. This is the post listeners, the people that are listened to afterwards. They've listened to the theory, so they can stop if they don't want to listen to the Q&A. But it will be valuable to some people. So you end up with a great episode that's actually quite focused. None of the live nonsense in there, really a good podcast episode that's actually better than it could have been because you got some input from listeners initially that improved it, you know, all those questions, those barriers that you weaved into it. And then the Q&A, which actually is even more valuable probably to listeners because it will be the same questions that they were asking while they were listening to the episode. So that's it. That's how you, I think you make good live episodes. What do you think, Matthew? Is it talk you into it? Yeah, you still I like think we could. Live is nonsense. I think there's still time for us to get some listeners into this episode. Do a bit of a Q&A <laughs> at the end. Uh, get in touch. Pop out to Twitter. To join get in. some people. Yeah, we could go there, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go and invite them in. <laughs> cool. But I've done that. I've done that a few times. I've used that format. I've seen other people do it. I think it works really well. And actually, it does. It genuinely does build really good engagement. It genuinely does create better content because you're getting that input from the listeners as you're kind of recording it and creating it. So, yeah, it's cool. I always like the thought of turning up to people's live events and just telling them their microphone wasn't working. You know, there's no audio or that, but there was. Um, just to be a <laughs> yeah. complete pain for no reason. But uh, I've never done that, so. It happens time. every time. Yeah, every single time I do a presentation or a webinar, you're like, you have two or three people saying, my mate, you can't hear you, can't hear you. And then everyone else is like, yeah, we can. So you're like, it's fine. It's just your speakers. <laughs> okay, we've got five more here, but two of them we kind of covered. No, three, I think we covered really in the previous episode. So let's get through them. I think we can do this relatively quick because I think the next one, is uh, one I can rest my voice a bit here. I've been monologuing a bit here, but you can do this one, Matthew. Going it alone, why is it a good idea? Number five, why is it a good idea to include solo shows in your, your podcast schedule? Yeah, I, I think I've touched on this in the show already in a recent episode too, that in our podcast planner data, which like mm -hmm. well over now 3,000 people have filled in, you know, aspiring yeah, yeah. Every stage podcasters, the majority... Um, I want to say over fifty percent anyway are going to are going to do a solo show, and uh, I found that quite surprising at first because the the interview has always been considered by many to be the default and the easy option, yeah. and, and we've talked a lot about why that isn't the case. But you know, doing solo brings its own challenges. The the sort of mic fright that you might get, and just struggling to sit down in a room yourself and talk 
um, with authority on your subject. So going it alone, I think the reason why a lot of people are doing this is because it has a couple of key benefits. Uh, the big one is really flexibility, I think. Um, yeah. You know, you could just record whenever you make the time. There's no scheduling. Yeah, it's logistics, in it? Yeah, yeah there's exactly. no, you know, we need to hook up at this time or that time. There's no back and forward with interviewees, managing all that. You just, you literally work on your own schedule and, and that's all you're answerable to, isn't it? Yeah, totally. I think batch recording ties into that as well. Like, I think it's so much easier to record two, three, even four episodes all at once mm -hmm. when you're doing solo because you can plan them all out yourself. You have full control. They don't go long because you can kind of, you have utter control over this because there's no one else there like taking you off on tangents and things like that. Um, so you can keep them to 10, 15 minutes or eh, longer, whatever you like. But yeah, you can just bash them out and do two, three, four episodes in an hour or two. Yeah, I love that. And it, I think I think it encourages shorter episodes too. There's obviously there's yeah. nothing wrong with long episodes when they're necessary to cover the content. But if you've yeah. got an interviewee on and the conversation doesn't turn out to be all that interesting, you're not going to get it wrapped up <laughs> after 15 minutes, even though you should, because it just it feels like a shame. Because uh, you yeah. know you've got somebody on and they're taking time out. You might edit it down, I suppose, but. You know, if you're solo yeah. and you and you have covered your topic in 50 minutes, I, I think it feels much more acceptable just to say that's it. You know, we'll see you next episode. Yep. Yep. And uh, there's a lot to be said yeah. for that. Absolutely. There's a lot around, there's a lot around that. I mentioned control already, but it's that's it. It's like being able to just, you know exactly what you want to say. You know exactly how you can structure it. You can plan it ahead of time with your bullet points and you can deliver like, maximum value per minute no tangents no fluff no anything like interviews are bad for that because the interviewee has so much control you ask them a question and they can say whatever the hell they like like you can kind of you can vet them do you know the last point the last tip in this whole list is around interviews so we'll come back to this but if you go solo you you have total control even co-hosting like like we do this and we we have a wee bit of a chat. And I think a lot of the power of podcasting is that kind of chemistry between a couple of people. So you do have that downside in solo that you lose a bit of that chemistry. But I think you can get with practice, you can get a lot better at kind of giving much more personality and a bit of kind of chemistry between you and the listener, I think, doing a solo show. Um, and it cuts down on that fluff. Like there's there's some of the fluff which is worthwhile, like us just chatting away at the start. Well, actually, that's debatable maybe or nonsense at the beginning episodes, Matthew, what do you think? Yeah, I might get a while? few emails about that now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll get some positive and negative there. But there's definitely a few co-hosted shows that I listen to that have that chemistry where you actually, you don't mind listening to four or five minutes of chat between the co-hosts, um, you know, around what they're up to this week and all that kind of stuff once you get to know them. But a solo show that is just purely value every single minute is really powerful. Um, and you don't have to do these every week, do you, Matthew? Like you can mix these in, can't you? I absolutely. With, with formats, you don't need to stick to one format. You might have a preferred format and a go-to format, but uh, yeah, I've got I've got my podcast, and you know I'll do the odd solo episode. Just you know, mm -hmm. sometimes I've got a lot of stuff that I just want to go over, and I don't necessarily yeah. need a guest to do that, or I maybe just can't find the time to schedule somebody. So I mix it up and. Uh, that just helps you to stay consistent. And also, you know, if you're doing a purely solo show, uh, you're completely in control of everything. If you're monetizing it or stuff like that as well, you know, it's, it's your show. That's true. It's not like you're yeah. kind of working out like, you know, 
how are we going to split this uh, £1.30 that we've made this month? <laughs> yeah, full ownership. Something to be said for that, for sure. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. I I mean, I really like the format of, you know, if you're doing an interview show, mixing in maybe one solo episode at least every month, just because you're often shining the spotlight on your guest as uh, an interviewer. And, but your people, your audience, your, you, you know, your crew that are listening every single week, they want to hear from you at least every now and again. So mixing in that, you know, a 15, 20 minute solo show once a month gives you a wee break from the logistics, the planning, gives you a wee break from a short recording session, from the editing and stuff like that. Um, and actually gives more value to the listener. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. All right. Uh, right. So number f- that was number five. Number six is me production, uh, which is our minimum effective editing process, which we covered pretty um, extensively on the previous episode, didn't we, Matthew? So should we uh, skip past that one? Yeah. Um, we actually covered the, the templates too, unless you had another angle on it. No, you're right. You're right. Six and seven. Yeah. So six is the me production. So just a, a quick summary. Um, it's just around cutting down what you do in post-production, not being audio engineer, like using as much automation as you can. Templating is making sure that if you're using like traditional DAWs that you, you know, you put your music in there, you have a blank template that you can build. So you're not building from scratch every time. I mean, these two are kind of, you can do this in any way, like using any kind of software from free up to paid. But uh, these are the two things that Alitu was really built to do as well, like to take care of the audio cleanup, to make it so that you've got a template there every time your theme music is there added in, your transitions, all that kind of stuff. So whether you use Alitu to automate a lot of it um, or whether you use any other um, piece of software, do think about what you do in post-production and templating to make it as simple as possible. But again, go and listen to the previous episode um, and we'll have a link in the show notes to more info on both of those two if you want to re-revision. And in fact, number eight too, Matthew, the click trick. Yeah, that's right. We should just finish up and go to the pub. (laughs) We've got one more, one more original one, but yeah, the click trick is a crossover too. Click trick was really just using that to mark edits if you want more on that again that's in the previous episode funny we have story an article on that. in fact it's not yep. it's not remotely funny um if i'm being <laughs> honest but when i was editing the good setup when i was editing the last episode i was like there's another one of colin's fluffs and it was you actually doing an example of it so i was away oh, ed- really i was away edit out your example because it you know it, yeah. it stood out on the waveform so uh, see it's a yeah, good job totally. i listened back through at fast speed <clears throat> or i would have would have made a mess of that Good, good. Uh, well, yes. No, we, we haven't done that before, have we? We've never made a mess of it. Never, like, ever, never, ever, 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 and never will. <laughs> and that's a promise. You'll get your money back if we ever mess up. Exactly. Yep. Your money back. All the money you paid for this podcast. Just get in touch. Uh, PO Box uh, 212, uh, London. So, uh, right. Last one. Interview Control Freak. This is one of my favorites as well, actually. comes back to that interview stuff. It's around how to make interviews more effective because what do you think, Matthew, what's the biggest issues in interviews quite often? Like what do you see as makes a a crappy or a bad interview or one that just takes a lot of editing afterwards? Well, I thought we were getting this episode wrapped up, but there's a kind of one. I think one of my, um, I think one of my like biggest like eye rolling moments is when somebody asks a guest to introduce themselves because it's just like, okay, like, They've, you've basically given them free reign and, you know, so, some guests, to be fair, that are pretty, 
well versed will get get out of the way quite quick. But I've I've heard some very long introductions and, oh, and yeah. went down some yeah. rabbit holes during that long irrelevant introductions. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean that that kind of it, that highlights most of what I'm talking about here. Actually, I call it being an interview an interview control freak because I think so many interviewers just don't take enough control over their interviews. They do exactly what you just said there. They say, right, okay, so um, hi, Brian. Um, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about yourself. And it's like, that is just you taking the control over your episode and just giving it entirely to somebody else that doesn't know your audience, that has no particular buy-in to your episode, doesn't care about your listener figures. They just want to promote their own stuff. They just want to talk about themselves. <laughs> so yeah, there's a big part of it. So the intro is absolutely part of this. So take control over your interviews. The first part of that is creating a great bio. A great bio takes you 10, 15 minutes max up front. Just do a bit of research, um, like do a concise 30 second. Here's the parts of this person's history, background, experience that's actually relevant to my listeners. This is what will buy my listeners into listening to this person, as opposed to all the nonsense that they'll say that maybe is irrelevant. Um, and even like something that I like to do sometimes is to include in that bio the thing that that person has that they want to sell right now. So if that person's doing the rounds because they've got a new book out, you say, oh, and uh, Brian just published a book on, uh, you know, the best mountain bike tires that you can possibly buy. Go over and buy it over here. Is that right, Brian? And he's like, oh, excellent. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and the, the thing that that does is that it just kind of gets them out of their standard rut their standard message of right i, I really want to sell my book um, i really want to get across this bit of experience that bit of experience instead they go oh this person's just done my job for me and they kind of relax and they always tend to give a better interview after that because you've kind of given them something there's a bit of reciprocity they tend to be more generous they tend to be less scripted because of that so yeah the intro is a big part of it i think the other part is during the interview, I think. Like when you're doing an interview, Matthew, do you ever interrupt folk? Yes and no. Um <laughs> I it's it's something that for a period of time I thought I should get better at and then yeah. and then I start to think, but should you? Should you let so I there's it's a tightrope, I think, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. I think some podcast hosts go overboard with this and just want to yeah. give the um impression of I'm really in control of this and let's get to the, the heart of the matter here. But I think there's mm -hmm. a balancing act with that. What do you think? I yeah, I agree. There is a balance next. Some people can go too far, but I think most people could do with doing it a lot more. I think that most people, <clears throat> and I've been included in this many times in the past, you ask a question, the answer starts, isn't really what you were expecting, maybe not as relevant as you thought, starts going off on a couple of tangents, but you just sit there waiting for them to finish anyway. Um, and I think that's politeness. I think partly it's like politeness and kind of fear of, of interrupting somebody, annoying somebody, all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think a lot of interviewers can get over that. I think, I think the thing that I usually recommend is all you need to do is prepare the interviewer for a few things and it makes it a lot easier. So you say at the start, like before you even get into the interview, you say, right. Um, so we try and do this really conversationally. We're, we're very much a conversational chemistry based podcast. We try and keep it so that, you know, any response is no more than like 30 seconds or a minute, you know? So if you find yourself, you know, wanting to give a big long answer, then give me the kind of summary first and then I'll dig into the bits that I know that my audience will be really interested in. 
And I find that often works really well. Like it gives people a little bit of awareness over, you know, okay, I won't go on for too long. I'll give a wee summary I'll start with and then we'll kind of dig in later. And if you say, you know, you're going to guide them, you say, I know what my intro, I know how to make you look good. I know what my audience loves. So if you give me the summary, I'll, I'll think of the bits that they love and I'll guide you that way. And this is what's going to make you sound amazing as the interviewee. I think if you couch it that way, it's great. And then you say something like, I also um, don't be offended by this. Don't get annoyed about it, but I will interrupt you as well. Because again, I want to make you look great in front of my audience. So if I find you're going down some stories or some sidelines that I'm sure are going to be great, but maybe less relevant to my audience, what I'll do is I'll just jump in and I'll change tack. And we can edit these so it doesn't sound like interruptions if we have to. So I think stuff like that, like just actually doing a wee intro like that makes it much easier for you to interrupt because it's been kind of introduced and it makes the interviewee much more kind of aware that you're just trying to get the best from them and that they should keep it sort of shorter, conversational, all that kind of stuff. Does that sound right to you, Matthew? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I just think there anecdotally that like, and it's it's obvious now I think of it, but if I'm doing an interview in person, I'll interrupt yeah. more than I would remotely because yeah. it's awkward remotely. Like it takes yeah. that split second when you cut somebody off and they kind of keep talking. And you, so like it adds to your editing. Uh, yeah. If you're going to interrupt quite a lot, you're going to end up with some quite messy edits just as you do the old dance of, oh, you, sorry, wait, wait a minute. What? <laughs> so yeah, there's that. I don't know. There's nothing you could yeah. do about that uh, unless it was well, there is. to get focused. There is. You're, it's a really good point. Yeah, like I put my hand up or something like that. You say to the person ahead of time, again, it's about that I, prep yeah. ahead of time. Like say, um, actually, yeah, what I'll do to interrupt is I'll hold one finger up or something like that. Um, and And that's their signal to tie up. Colin just <laughs> and stuck again, his you can middle say, finger up at me. I can't believe that. I'm horrified. <laughs> but it's it's all about that prep. It's about saying to them. It makes you sound more pro. Like if you say you've got these hand signals for how you direct the interview, for making it more efficient, more value added, all that kind of stuff. It makes you look like a right pro. Um, and it makes your interview better because it means that people don't go off on these tangents and stuff like that. So I know co-hosts actually that have got those kind of signals. Like, um, you know, it, well, like, just like you said there, Matthew, like you have three people on mic, all equal owners of the show. Like there's so much talking over and interruptions and stuff. Whereas you've got like two fingers up, one finger up, thumb, whatever it is. You've got all these signals that kind of you can hold up to the camera that give people that insight into what's happening. Um, so you communicate without it ending up on the mic. It can be really good. Mm-hmm. I can't believe I never thought of that. Um I suppose that there's the angle of like I'm doing a video podcast or I'm live or that, but then I, it's, okay, even then, yeah. like what, yeah, if you're if you're on Zoom or you're on you know whatever you're recording on on video, like does it does it ruin the show if you see somebody hold a finger up to the Just camera? Making the Star Trek side, not not the middle one, not yeah. the middle one. <laughs> yeah, the Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think people are too afraid of that kind of stuff, and it kind of stunts a little bit what they can do with their show, mm-hmm. like how they can kind of control it, how they can make it more efficient, more value added um, and cut the time really that they're recording and editing. So email the All show right. your favorite uh, hand gestures for your co-host <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll get a compilation together. That'd be interesting. Oh dear. Wouldn't that? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Actually, genuinely, that'd be funny. Go for it. If you have any, put them on Twitter. We are at the podcast host and do hashtag hand <laughs> hand gestures pod hand hashtag pod hand hand pod my word 
<laughs> cool. All right. Okay. I hope that was useful though. I hope that was uh, some good value in there. Go over to the show notes um, and have a look at these. We've got plenty of uh, further resources for all of these things that I've talked through that we created, I've created for the talk that I do around this. Um, so yeah. How is it for you, Matthew? Brilliant. Okay. I've learned a lot. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> I talked a lot there. Apologies. No, it's fine. It's fine. Like I say, I talked a, a lot last week, so... It was nice cool. to get a rest. I just sat with my feet up, had a cup of tea, chipped in now and then. Indeed. So. Not even listening. You were just watching the TV yeah, in the background. Yeah, texting. Exactly. <laughs> cool. All right. And again, I, I'll say we did, like, this This is really why we built Hala 2. This whole concept um, around making your workflow more efficient. Um, it's really good for the click trick for that kind of editing. Like, you can get in there and you can really quickly cut out your clicks. It's got the templating really kind of built in because you get your theme music added. You have your uh, your transitions created automatically. Um and all of that, all your podcast details, like titles, names, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the me stuff as well. It does your audio cleanup. It does noise reduction. It does leveling. It does uh, vocal EQ, makes your, your voice sound sharp as. Um, so yeah, go over and have a look at Alitu. Alitu is over at alitu.com. Again, seven day free trial to try it out. Try a couple of episodes for free. No credit card required. Um, and let us know what you think. All right. Okay, Matthew, cheers. Another good week. Yeah, thanks as ever. I hope. <laughs> Excellent. And you out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for following along. Um, we heard some lovely th- comments about PodCraft at the podcast show this week. It's always lovely to hear them. So if you do want to get in touch, even if they're not lovely, if you've got some critical feedback as well to let us improve the show, again, get on Twitter, give us your hand gestures and any feedback you have. And we'd love to hear it. We'll talk to you next time. Cheers. Cheers.